Hello and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 235 for August 23rd, 2023. Tonight we're going to be discussing who pulled the thread on this sports hype study, digital personification, Mr. Beast's Olympics video shows just one thing really. Too much Star Wars? One handfish is worth 25 years of extinction. Human Food Program Investigator? Pumpkin spice season starts early. Unemployment for striking workers. Epic hunt for new IP. 120,000 square feet of 3D printing. And don't kiss or cuddle your turtle. And finally, can Vermont Law School cover a mural? All this and more. All right, all right, all right. So everything is going to come across kind of rushed, but it shouldn't because we made it in time. On time, surprisingly on time. Uh, Well, no, I'm a little late because I messed up the title and did something else, but we watched Ahsoka. And uh, I spooked people in the room because I predicted what was being said and what was being done and I hadn't seen it yet. But so I'm thinking maybe I missed my calling and I should be a screenwriter. There you go. Hey, no time like the present to pivot to a completely different career. That Particularly has... during the strike. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Nothing, nothing says lucrative job openings like a strike in a field where you really can't get a job unless you're part of a union, one union or another. You know, I guess if I, if I write as a scab, right. For, uh, I I break the union and I'm a scab. Will they write me off later on? Get it? WGA Uh, writers. Guild. (laughs) Okay. They're not all gems. I just tell them. Okay. I'm just going to move on. Let's just move on. We got everything set up. You can go and vote. If you hit exclamation point vote, this actually may work. Hold on. Let me try it. We'll do it live. No. Yes. Yes. Omotron is working again. Okay. Man. Sometimes. Anyway, um, We do the show 9 p.m. Eastern every day. If you are just stumbling across this and you've actually managed to listen to this for three minutes, then now you know we're over on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash hometown again every day, 9 p.m. Eastern. I will be starting on the first streaming uh, Starfield as early and often as possible. So if you want to hang out and and uh, play starfield together but separately because it's not a multiplayer game then stick around and other things other other channels is what we refer to them are still in production where we're ramping up um while well, marwat is planning everything um but I, I can't be everywhere all the time all at once like the movie uh, i would like to be but uh, it's not possible so if you're interested in being a host or a particular topic there are um nearly 50 um i have deactivated a few um but it's all based on a particular genre a topic hello toll welcome to the show and um 
if you're interested in a particular topic, you know, you could be a writer and you be in, and you're interested in writing and talking about writing. So you do breaking prose or you uh, are interested in world building in a, a fixed setting, sort of. Uh, it's a framework of sorts. And that would be Aerith that talks about uh, sci-fi fantasy merged together. Um, that is a, a world building type of channel. Um, Reality Hacker is about uh, AI and um, computer manipulation, holograms, and uh, basically making things so hyper-realistic that you can't tell the truth. And its motto is you won't know who to trust. Um, but it means it in the kind of the sneakers sort of way and, and not the doom and gloom, like doom scrolling across the internet kind of thing. Anyway, um, all kinds of stuff is in here. We aggregate news over at hometown.com. And um, from there, we launched hometown uh, daily, which is basically a news show about what gets aggregated into hometown.com. So let's get on with the show and toll. I agree. Starfield will be great and there should be multiplayer during it. That's the technical term folks. Just want to let you know in computer science, when you want to, when you're doing game design and somebody walks up and says there should be multiplayer darn it, that right there is a technical specification and it means put multiplayer in Starfield. So then, and I, I'm thinking that the first mod that ever gets built for Starfield is going to be multiplayer. So let's get into the first uh, article. So this is in the Mobile channel. Uh, sports reading more beneficial to kids' intelligence than video games, according to a study. And so the they have this the, the little snippet that gets aggregated into hometown. Um, says, story at a glance. A new study published in the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports... Okay, so we're loading this a little sideways okay, already. We might have a bias here. Um, examined the role of diet and exercise in children's thinking. Wonderful. Uh, you know, I'm all for more science and understanding what it is to be a human. However, I pulled on one thread and dismantled this whole thing. And we'll get to it. And I'll get to it here in a second. Uh, so researchers found children who spend more time playing sports and reading have better thinking skills than those who don't. All right. Let's see how they managed to wrangle this one. Um, they also found that kids who ate less red meat and drink low-fat milk had better thinking skills than those who don't. Really? That's pretty amazing. So let's go over to the source. I'm going to scroll up a little bit. Uh, this is at thehill.com. It's an article that was put together by Alejandro O'Connell Demenech. And uh, <laughs> so it's in a section called Changing America, Shared Destiny, Shared Responsibility. All right. Um, I, I'm all into the, the messaging here. You know, we are all together in this. But <laughs> there is a little stat. Uh, I'll have to say that it's a claim that has been made um, in other places uh, in science. Um, and, you know, doggone it, let me just 
so story at a glance, right? It says a new study published in the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports examined the role of diet and exercise in children. Wonderful. So the moment I read that, I said, hmm, who's funding this? And so I actually looked at the study and there's a plethora of people studying or uh, funding this. So I'm like, all right, not a big deal, right? Their bias isn't founded in the funding. I didn't do a deep dive into each funding source, but the, the plurality basically says they've mitigated the bias being financial. Now, where it's being published shows an inherent bias in where it's being published, right? The finding matches the journal source. Right. You're not going to have an article in the sports journal about gaming, typically. Well, it's, you know, in medicine and a journal of medicine and science in sports isn't going to be pro something not medicine and science and sports unless it's saying something bad about that. The other thing, you know, there's, it's usually like there's bias. The focus wouldn't be on the gaming. Right. So, and so I looked into that and I'm like, okay, well, they did a lot of statistical analysis of this, but they still haven't made it apparent. One thing that I know based on other studies um, impacts the ability for a child to concentrate on the material at hand, whatever it might be. And it's a, it's a socioeconomic force and that's called wealth. <laughs> when a person is in an affluent family an affluent is a scale. Okay. So like some people will say that a, a person making $50,000 is affluent in, in comparison to somebody that's only making a thousand dollars, you know? But just set that aside for a moment, the scale of affluence. If a child doesn't have to worry about where their food is coming from or getting beat up walking to school or whatever it might be, but there's downward psychosocial pressures, they can they can focus on their studies, then they become technically, uh, scientifically, demonstrably proven, uh, able to learn because they are not suffering from, you know, stomach cramps because they're not getting enough food or dehydration, which leads to people not being able to concentrate. Um, Toll says, um, how like Kellogg's and General Mills released the study saying that super sugary whole wheat cereal is still healthier than meat and eggs for breakfast. Yeah, that it becomes an obvious bias, right? So I said, did, did this study actually look at the socioeconomic forces And so when I looked into it and it goes through this, right? This article talks about all of this, Um, but it does not mention in the article anywhere, as far as I could tell, if I recall correctly, because I scanned it really quick right before the show. Um, It, it didn't, doesn't mention socioeconomic status, but in the study itself, in the paper itself, it does. And guess which side, guess it was broken into two groups, right? Um, A group that had an intervention, which is the one where their behavior is modified. And there was a group that was not the control. Guess which side 
was marked in the paper as being generally more well off. And not generally well off. It says it specifically states this group was financially better off. Uh, the ones who did better at the sports and reading. The ones who had their behavior modified and thus performed better on the tests and evaluation metrics. So the poors <laughs> didn't benefit from their affluence and didn't perform as well. But the ones who were wealthy had their behavior modified and performed better on the tests. How, so did, how was their behavior modified? They were uh, told to play sports. They were given oh, proper okay. food. They were uh, told not to sit there and play on the computer, uh, go and read, write, things like that. Um, but the, the, the entire balance of this article and the research paper, um, gets thrown out of alignment. The moment that you read in the study that the group that was, had the intervention was the wealthy group. Well, they already had a bias because yeah, so they didn't control for that information yet. They stayed in the paper. Not in this, uh, in, not in this, um, uh, post, not in this, um, whatever, not in the story here. Um, but in the research paper itself, they say that they controlled for that socioeconomic bias and they absolutely did not, not based on what I read. Now, I don't have the underlying data set that shows that there across the gamut was an equal number of people that were affluent and not. That way, the control and the intervention group was actually balanced for every element. This is the kind of stuff where you end up with doctors saying that cigarettes are better off for you than, you know, city uh, air or or that, uh, um, like Toll says, um, Kellogg's and General Mills says that you can eat sugary whole wheat cereal and it's healthier than meat and eggs. Um, when in reality, there's a, a, everything in moderation seems to be okay. You know, we're, we're pretty omnivore kind of peoples, but not everybody is the same. So you have to start kind of twisting your diet to fit your particular uh, genetic history, predisposition, etc. I mean, it needs to be a little more sophisticated than the way that we have it. But um, well, they also this... didn't vary the type of game. I mean, uh, there's something where there's a game requiring critical thinking or right. uh, quick decision making or whatever. And then there's other ones where you're just clicking the same thing over and over again. Like yeah. that's probably not contributing to even if it's not impeding intelligence. Yeah. So the article says research shows that uh, children across the globe are not getting enough exercise. One 2016 study found that 81% of children aged 11 to 17 were physically inactive. Now that's one study. Then they refer to another one as, you know, uh, basically this article is kind of, well, it's BS, at least in my opinion. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because I, I think that it's important for people to read material and then go and verify it, go and read the actual study. Cause if somebody else does it for you, 
like I'm I'm talking about this material. I'm, that's kind of the value add for this particular show. I've looked at it. I'm talking about it. But you should go and read this study too. It's linked right there. And in fact, I'll throw it into the chat I, like I normally do. I, I, I throw these links into the chat. And so I, I would urge you to go and look at it. It's really hard to read a research paper because it's typically statistically dense, right? There's a lot of data in it. Um, and right, you get lost in that and almost lose the big picture. And it's much like the law or police jargon or any other. It just doesn't really matter. There's every field goes into the arcane to make it um, <laughs> opaque to viewers, to the people that are outside it. Um, but if you read the discussion portion of the research paper, it, it will show you that the bias was pretty substantial and that their statement that they accounted for it isn't represented, at least not again, not in how I saw it. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't like this because it, it, this is going out to a whole large market out there of the hill.com readers, and they're going to be charging into their day tomorrow um, saying, hey, did you know that sports says that a, a study on sports um, says that reading and sports is more beneficial to kids' intelligence than video games. And I'm uh, all right. Um, now, not everybody's going to buy into it, particularly if you have a bias towards video games. I can tell you some things about the difference. Video games are more entertaining to the average person than sports, but sports are more entertaining to a very large number of people and they're very vocal about it. And so it's learning stats doesn't really appeal to everybody. Playing games doesn't necessarily appeal to everybody. It really matters about upbringing and people are interested in playing sports because dad or mom or sister or brother or some other peer group is saying you should get into sports or you as a kid learn that you want to play sports. But I don't think that there's any difference between somebody that plays sports and somebody that plays video games, as long as the person that's playing video games remains healthy. If they sacrifice their health in the process of playing video games, then you have a problem. But I don't think that video games versus sports is a real metric for deciding what an intelligent person is. I think it reduces it down to a them versus us mentality and humans have much greater fidelity and flexibility in what constitutes intelligence because I've seen and we're about to find out that you can be a real dumbass and still be a billionaire. But I, I think the other thing this article doesn't get into is the parental involvement because sure. I get the sense that, okay, somebody's sitting there at a video game and maybe, because it mentioned something about lack of supervision. I mean, there's been tons of studies about early childhood development and yeah. parents talking with their kids or engaging with their kids. And so, for instance, if that's lacking here, 
I'm not really surprised at the result. I just, I think there's so much more to this. Yeah. This headline really caught my attention because yeah. I don't think either is really at the exclusion of the other. I would say all of those do this. Yeah. I, I think that there's much greater because of how this thing reduces everything down to being sports. It, it, it triggered me. Um, so Toll says, um, and uh, uh, Toll has said a, a few things while we were talking about this. Um, so they say that the article is super biased and missed most of the discussion, but which video games did they test the kids on? I'm not sure. Um, because of the, uh, Toll plays a lot of simulators. They have a good grasp on the automotive repairs work and basically got their commercial driving license from playing a video game. That is not unheard of Toll. Um, and that's, I think it's awesome. I actually was um, teaching someone how to drive a car in a simulator um, and uh, they pick it up pretty easy because there's uh, fewer risks and distractions and then you ease into the real world. Um, and if you do it at a younger age, then they're more prepared for all of the minutia that they have to deal with uh, when they go and test. Um, so what about kids? Uh, Toll also says, what about kids who play video games, sports, and read a lot of books too? Uh, I guess yes. they're, yeah, none of, and have parents that are actually an integral part of their upbringing. I'm not sure, Toll. I don't know. I guess they're the anomaly and they, they were outsiders in this and probably like flicked off the edge because they were too high or too low on whatever metric they're talking about. And if the study is true, then why are so many professional athletes doing dumb stuff like bringing a controlled banned substance to Russia and getting arrested? Not just in Russia, uh, one just got arrested for weapons and drugs um, or shooting themselves in, a, in the leg at a nightclub. Yeah, like I said, we're about to find out another one. And th this is actually a fan favorite for a lot of people that are on the Internet. So let's get on to that other article. We'll get there here in a second. Um, this one will kind of tamp us down a little bit and, and, and allow us to decompress from that last article. But uh, the next article is over in Technology Today. Digital clones and vocaloids may be popular in Japan elsewhere. They could get lost in translation. Um, this is one of those, well, it's 9.25, so like the no shit news at 9.25. Um, Japan is pretty much well known for accepting of technology, uh, robotics, uh, virtualization, digital music, vocaloids. We like EDM and stuff like that, but. <laughs> uh, but not just accepting, I would say being way ahead of other countries on the adoption of it and just the prevalence of it. Yeah. Um, and what's really interesting is it runs a pretty broad gamut of age of acceptance of that technology too. So like older people will, would be willing to buy a robot that helps take care of them. Um, whereas here we'd be here in, being here in the United States, we'd be looking at these robots like, well, they're way too damn expensive and they only do so much. Um, is it really worth the while? Well, here in the States, it would price us out. So most people would be priced out. Um, but so the little snippet here says, Kazutaka Yonekura dreams of a world where everyone will have their very own digital clone, an online avatar that's updated in real time with information about a person's tastes and habits. And that's the digital clone. Uh, Vocaloid is slightly different, but 
Um, I must just scroll down. Um, so the articles over at APNews.com, um, a fairly new source um, for uh, integration into the news. Um, Yuri Kagayama is the author of this article. And so the whole idea behind this is that there is a virtual representation of you as it gets more and more sophisticated, it actually can act kind of like an AI of you and answer questions and, and relate information to people that you allow it to. Um, it is an, a, an alt. It is an, a, another version of you while you go and work, this thing could actually represent you in certain cases. Um, so it says here, um, an online avatar that could take some of the, our work and daily tasks, such as appearing in Zoom meetings in our place. Um, his company is developing a digital double, an animated image that looks and talks just like its owner. The digital clone uh, can be used, for example, by a recruiter to carry out preliminary job interviews or by a physician to screen patients ahead of checkups. Um, their statement is that this liberates you from the routine tasks that you must do tomorrow, the day after tomorrow and the day after that, while you go and focus on whatever that that was the end of their quote. And I'm saying while you go off and do more important things, your double, your digital double basically can do whatever uh, you set it out to. Everybody could use one of these. <laughs> um. Now, what's really interesting about this is this is actually something that I started working on a while back and I wrote it off because the technology just wasn't there. And now comes AI um, just steaming into a port. And I I wish that I would have stuck with this. Uh, basically, it, it, the idea is what they are doing. Um, but they say that for now, the digital double is expensive. Each alt clone costs about 20 million yen, which translates into 140,000 freedom dollars. Um, so it will likely take some time before there's a clone for everyone. Um, now, with adoption becomes standardization and that price can drop precipitously um, as long as competition kicks in. If if this is highly effective, it it says here, Yonakura46 argues that the technology is more personal than Siri, ChatGPT, or Google AI. Hopefully I didn't just activate 12 million items in hometown. Um, most importantly, it belongs to you and not the technology company that created it, he said. Well, har har. I'm sure that they'll create, you know, clone as a service kind of a thing. Um, and so I find it really interesting and I think that Japan would be the early adopter of this. Um, but is the world ready to accept communicating with a virtual you and not you? And are you ready for someone potentially manipulating your alt to commit to something? And where does the law fall in line with this? Because if it isn't you, nothing can be agreed upon. Nothing can be legally agreed upon unless you basically make it so that anything that you make a statement, like anything you do via this clone is my agreement, which even then 
you can end up in a courtroom because you agreed to something, but, but whatever, not really. not really. Yeah. Even though you say, I accept whatever comes through this legally, there's no meeting of the minds because there's a virtual you agreeing. Um, so there's a lot of complexity in this. Will society allow for it? Eventually, I, I really do think that AI will be intelligent enough that it can process information and notify the owner of the AI. Um, but nothing could ever be agreed upon via AI. You would have to rubber stamp it uh, when it comes through. Um, I'm sure that there are some people that are really going to buy into it. Um, now, the other element here is the Vocaloids. Uh, basically, it's music synthesis, voice synthesis merged together. Um, Hatsune Miku is probably one of the most well-known Vocaloid artists. It's a hologram slash anime um, persona. <laughs> it just, it's, it's a, 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 I don't know if she's really young or if she's like in her, uh, like legally an adult, but they're a hologram. They sing songs. They're powered by Vocaloid, but backed by a live band um, and has a whole set of friends and is just adored by um, Japanese uh, music goers, uh, fans of anime. Um, the, that market is just uh, tremendous. I've actually seen videos of concerts with tens of thousands of people in the stands. Um, and it's kind of like going to, um, an electronic music festival. Um, but with only one band, like Tomorrowland. like Tomorrowland, which is spectacular. I want to go to that next year. Um, but now we're hearing that you have to wear a mask again because <laughs> COVID is starting to spike. Can, and now there's like fires out of control in in like Turkey and uh, still Greece. in Canada and Greece. <laughs> They're all over the place, man. What the hell is going on? What a wonky timeline. Anyway, um, we'll see what happens with that. But this is if I were to get something like this right? A digital representation of me and Vocaloid that could synthesize my voice and people could interact with me. I could go off to Tomorrowland and enjoy, you know, a month away and people could interact with my virtual persona. Sounds that, luxurious. Right? I mean, the work-life balance needs to be back towards life but you can't yeah, do that the work-life balance is like all work and no life <laughs> typically and In then the you're US, supposed to anyway <laughs> yeah you're supposed to work 40 hours plus and you're never really just working 40 hours because you're spending two hours each way in traffic um or like uh or I think responding uh, to fires after hours all the time. Just yeah, it's just nonstop. And so we need to be able to turn off in two weeks a year is BS. Um, there's other countries that survive and uh, get a month plus off. Um, 
and it's all paid and I, I don't know it, it it seems really weird but the conversations that i've had about this um and the reason why i'm even talking about that aspect of that is because technology affords us the ability to rebalance the work-life balance where we can use technology to rebalance um, this might allow us to do it if it becomes sophisticated enough and society adopts it so it'll be interesting to monitor this as well um, but we'll we'll do uh, that for sure so let's go on to the next article and this is the one that's gonna this is why i said well you know you can be a billionaire and still be a goober. So <clears throat> this article is over in Late Night Geeks. Mr. Beast's Olympics video is a geopolitical nightmare. Now, I think that they set too much, the bar too high for Mr. Beast and uh, their cohort, because apparently nobody else like leaned into this and said, Hey, you know, you're not really representing everybody. Um, but the bill, they say the billionaire creator inadvertently stoked generations of geo geopolitical tension in his latest YouTube video in which participants from quote, every country on earth end quote competed in a squid game, like elimination challenge for a chance to win $250,000. Let me guess. He omitted a country. Not a country, omitted several countries, misaligned countries, um, used the flag for the state of Georgia, for the country of Georgia, um, threw Crimea in with Russia, but it's not. It's actually an annexed <laughs> area of Ukraine, which is a, obviously, I mean, a, a plane was just blown out of the sky <laughs> um, just recently, um, all point all indicators point to this thing wasn't an accidental plane crash. Um, and, uh, but this person, right? Billionaire. The reason why I wanted to say this is because it doesn't take brilliance to be a billionaire. You can bumble fart your way into being a billionaire or be born to it. That's not the case with Mr. Beast. I think he bumble farted his way into popularity by doing extraordinary things at a time when the world was available for extraordinary things to be done. And, and he is personable. He has imagination. He, and he has a cohort of people that are, uh, that he is the benefactor for because he's got, you know, 15 friends around him that apparently don't say no and don't say, Hey, I don't think we're really representing every country. Um, yet millions upon millions of people are fascinated by Mr. Beast. So exemplary job does all kinds of tremendous good, right? But that shows you that you can stumble your way into for uh, fame and fortune and it isn't about let me just bring us back it isn't about sports and reading and not playing video games because i can guarantee you that mr beast plays more video games than he does sports and reading um, and if i'm wrong then mr beast come on the show and let me know that uh, 
I have a totally incorrect perception of how this went down. Um, but the article was sourced from techcrunch.com and uh, Morgan Sung is the author of this. And so they talk about how this contest for $250,000 basically triggered a whole lot of people on the site formerly known as Twitter and around the world um, to speak out against what really is something that you should go into. Although I'm sure that they went into it as just good natured setting up a thing, right? But to try and hint that you had every representation in there, what it was a, an absurd claim without absolutely making sure that you had everything tied up and buttoned up. Perfect. Right. I mean, my guess is they went online and they found a list of countries. It yeah. wasn't so much like, let me lump uh, Crimea in with Russia, for example. But who was doing the validation or vetting? Yeah. So, um, okay. So Toll is awesome. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do some color added to uh, Toll's statement. So I know nothing of Mr. Beast. But he sounds like a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he's this—he's um, very heartwarming, very um, charismatic. He's helped out a lot of people with donations and goodwill, and and paying for surgeries and stuff like that. Um, something like a hundred people he gave vision to because um, he paid for their cataract surgery. Um, and he got blowback for that, by the way. He got blowback for paying for people's cataract surgery. For everything, but he does do a lot of good. And he's really just kind of famous for being famous, right? Yeah. Like he's yeah. known for kind of doing prank type. I say prank loosely, but yeah. just kind of uh, spectacle type It's all good-natured pranks. Like he yes, ordered yes. a pizza and the pizza was delivered to the house that... Uh, toll, uh, not toll. I'm sorry, toll. I didn't mean to throw you in there. I looked right at your name when I said this. Um, but Mr. Beast had, um, purchased a house and then had a pizza delivered and gave the house to the pizza dude. <laughs> and, uh, I, all right. Th that is a tremendous amount of good. Um, but, <laughs> I guess you're not famous if you're not famous. So you're in the press being written about, even if you bumble fart your way into this, you're going to come out on the other side, unless you lack charisma, unless you lack um, a tremendous amount of goodwill behind you, you're going, you're going to fail. But I don't see uh, Mr. Beast uh, really, really getting, you know, a hit on the chin for this. I think it, he was just so good natured about putting this thing together that other people were upset about the lack or misrepresentation of what a country is. Um, but if you scroll through this article, it's actually a considerable amount um, that was either incorrect or omitted uh, wholesale. Um, and I'm not excusing his list. But we all know some of these, 
either way he went, because there's some of these that are in dispute, right? Like, sure. let's say he listed it, somebody would object. Right. If he didn't list it, somebody would object. I know yeah. that's different than the ones that are, for instance, yeah. taken over or things like that, but um, and mixing up the state and the country, et cetera. But um, I well, think this is one of these, it's a good idea, but <laughs> it's going to be hard to execute it without any blowback. Yep, exactly. Um, and I always say this, you know, one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. I'm not calling Mr. Beast either of those. I'm just saying that Mr. Beast stepped into this arena. Um, and a, a lot of people were actually bent out of shape because of that. Um, just the claim. You know, what he could have done now that I think about it is he could have said something like, okay, we want to have every country represented. You know, we may not have everybody. Right. right. Oh, yeah. And submit your name. And if you're the first person for a country, we'll add you or whatever. <laughs> and then they may or may not add somebody even from the region of Crimea, for instance. And they might have avoided some of the issues. Yeah. Um, or he could have just said, here are a hundred and you know 49 different countries represented um but then when you use the state of georgia's flag instead of the actually country yeah, of georgia's flag that's not really excusable <laughs> you still fall into the dumbass category so again total technical terminology um and so i had to explain it to people that um falling into the dumbass category is a technical jargon um, for being a dumbass. So uh, we'll move on. Let's go. Uh, the next article is over in the Technology Today uh, channel in Osaka. 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 <laughs> yeah, I was talking about Japan. It's um, a Japanese edition. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Ahsoka is episode both episode of the Mr. Beast uh, country God. episode. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> oh, marijuana. I, You're a it's dumbass. a country. It's a city. What am I doing? I'm doing the same thing. Oh, man. <laughs> We're just down. <laughs> Let me just start over. <laughs> so Ahsoka um, is both solid Star Wars and proof that there's too much Star Wars. According to this article, 208 episodes of the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, three tales of the Jedi shorts, uh, two episodes of The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. One movie. That's everything you'll need to see to truly understand uh, everything going on in the new Ahsoka series on Disney+. Plus. For Star Wars diehards, especially those raised on the animated shows spearheaded by Ahsoka, um, creator David Filoni, it's everything they've hoped for. Every everyone else, though, may find themselves adrift. Okay, so I'm not well-versed in 208 episodes of the clone wars or star wars rebels actually i didn't have an affinity for star wars rebels so i didn't really watch it i watched sporadically the clone wars I never saw uh, tales of the jedi shorts um, i watched mandalorian i watched book of boba fett um and you don't miss a beat watching ahsoka <laughs> you want to go back and find out the backstory for everybody that's involved in it. But I would hazard a guess that most people would just find it just plain out good 
TV. Uh, Tulsa has never watched an animated Star Wars show. Yeah, there's a lot, and it's actual canon in the, in the uh, universe of Star Wars. So um, if you're really into Star Wars, then you're going to want to watch all of that kind of stuff too. Um, or uh, if you're not really into it, you know, you're not eyebrow deep in the pool of Star Wars, then it's just plain old good TV. It's fun to watch. It, it slows down at times, uh, but picks right the hell back up. And um, the, the, the slowdown is actually the calm before the storm. Every single time there's a calm before the storm. It's, it's pretty good production. Um, and you'll love the uh, lightsaber fighting in uh, Ahsoka. Um, Tull says, I think the problem is, uh, with Star Wars is that nothing that was written before Disney bought Star Wars is no longer canon thing. Um, yeah, but at some point you kind of just have to go, okay, the story is expanding beyond its original, um, public writing because there is a lot of writing. There is a ton of books that are Star Wars, um, in, in bound in the lore, um, but uh, unless you want something to completely die off because the canon can't be expounded upon, um, you have to embrace it. So, um, brother has literal shelves of no longer canon Star Wars books. Yeah, I'm not sure about the expanse of that. The expanse is another good show, by the way. But anyway, um, Young Jedi Academy, huh? Oh, interesting. I'll have to look into that. Because, like, I am not that deep into it. Heir to the Empire Trilogy, that was supposed to be right after Episodes 4 through 6. Young Jedi. Um, Truce at Bakura. I'm gonna have, I'll look into all of that. Um, because, like I said, I'm not neck deep in Star Wars. I know the main things, themes, and people. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm... I, everything in moderation. So, <laughs> um, Ahsoka definitely brings animated characters to live action. Rosario Dawson remains a beguiling Ahsoka and she's joined by Mary Elizabeth Winstead as, uh, Hera Syndulla and Natasha Lou Bordezzo as the impressive, impulsive, sorry, impulsive Sabine Wren. Um, yeah. Oh, interesting. So okay. far, though, I I am a fan of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett above Ahsoka, but it's only the beginning. So, yeah, we've only watched the very first episode. There's two that were dropped on at the same time, um, and so we'll end up watching the the others. Pardon me, one second. Um, Tulsa is in the no longer canon books. Leah and Han have twins and they are the central characters in the young, uh, or maybe new Jedi Academy series. There was a second clone wars after, uh, where Luke cloned himself after finding out the emperor cloned himself. Then Luke has to hunt down and kill all the clones that turned to the dark side. Interesting. Yeah. And 
I wonder, I'll have to look into that because um, me talking from any kind of position, uh, ed educated position about that is just wrong. Um, but I'd be all, I'm curious. So thanks for piquing my curiosity. And I hope if you're listening out there in the podcast or over on YouTube and um, you're touching on this um, topic, Star Wars and the expanded canon of it, um, and all of this new stuff. I mean, there's so many people have so many opinions about this. Um, whereas I am more along the lines of it's just good entertainment. And as long as there's some continuity, a thread that goes through it, um, where it all makes sense, then it, it doesn't end up in shows like, um, the continuity report or, um, in how did this get made kind of cannon fodder, um, for review and mocking and and <laughs> complete disrespect of the hard work that people put into it but sometimes it's deserved for crying out loud um yeah so go and watch um ahsoka at least the first episode we'll end up watching it and uh, maybe we'll end up talking about it on another episode of uh hometown daily if there's an article that's relevant um, in the first two episodes, they talk about Ahsoka um, sent on a fetch quest to find a map. Um, and I don't want to scroll through the rest of this article or talk too deeply about it. Um, but for sure, go and check it out. Let me, I did not throw. So what was the last? Yeah, I didn't throw this article into the chat. I'm really sorry. Um, and the Mr. Beast article I didn't throw into chat. At least I don't feel like I did. No, I didn't. Um, and then this Ahsoka one. You can go and check that out, folks. It'll be in the show notes um, as well. But let's keep going. I might be losing the AI here pretty soon. Um, the next article's but over I'm on the... I'm still with you, Mayor Watt. Uh, the next article's over in the Mobile Channel. Rare handfish spotted for a first time in 25 years. Uh, I was going to say my age, but you want to see a really old handfish? Yes. <laughs> I know. Uh, handfish are notoriously hard to find. Here's one. Um, these camera shy creatures are coastal anglerfish with a narrow distribution in southeast um, Australia. And there are 14 species with seven endemic to Tasmania and the uh, Bass Strait. Um, let's uh, let's scroll up here. Carla Howarth from Cicero uh, put this article together for fizz.org. And uh, basically it says that there hasn't been one of these spotted in 25 years. Um, our scientists spotted one during a recent voyage on our research vessel, Investigator. We believe the species is one that has last been seen more than 25 years ago, a narrow body handfish. Oh, I'm sorry. What you just witnessed is not a narrow body handfish. Yeah. Um, is that a missing link, you say? One of those? The ones that I just posted? Yeah, there were three of them that I failed to throw into the chat. Uh, sorry, Toll, ask a question. Um, so the 
Um, using the RV's investigator's deep tow camera system, the suspect was found 292 um, meters in depth. And so you want to you want to see why they're <laughs> the suspect. <laughs> I mean, that's what it says. It's just it's interesting. It has a little hand. Well, it does have a little hand. That's interesting. It has a little hand. And it's also cool because it's an anglerfish. And I'm not kidding. I think it's giving us the bird, um, which is odd for a fish, giving you the bird. Anyway, it's known uh, from only two specimens in their Australian National Fish Collection. And they're referring to it as a needle in a haystack in this article. Oh, sorry. Toll said, is that the missing link? I missed the... Yeah, in your sentence. Wow. I guess I need some more sleep. Um, it's flippers look like growing hands. Yeah. So no, the um, Tull says, no, I meant evolutionary missing link from sea creatures to amphibians. Um, oh, I'm, yeah, that could definitely be it. <laughs> yeah. I, this little, they have another little uh, picture here, but it basically walks around on the floor bed uh, on the uh, ocean floor. <laughs> it might actually um, be the missing link. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi, crazy like cat a lady. Fish. Crazy cat lady's here too. Welcome. Um, we're just talking about a fish that has hands and walks around on them. Um, and as for what's the sleep thing we we are talking of, we don't really know. We like paper haven't really seen it yeah what is it <laughs> um we've heard about it we have aspirations but um candace says that it, they were very excited to find the hand fish and that they know that it's rare and special fish and that the chances of seeing one in this environment and capturing it on the deep toe camera is very rare it's an important discovery yeah, pretty interesting. I mean, it's another one of those things where I, it elicits the, wow, we really don't know what's on this planet kind of statement. You know, there's all kinds of stuff out there. I always think that's interesting when we're still, I mean, this one was known, but not necessarily expected. Um, but I think it's interesting when we are still discovering new species or just photographing something for the first time etc yeah and with the with each generation we get better and better technology leverage to capture it in greater detail so that we can understand it better i i think it's but amazing. also less knowledge of the the thing sometimes yeah yeah um so it says the survey will help us determine what has changed in the marine ecosystem since it was last surveyed in the 1990s. We can measure the properties of the regional ecosystem to determine why any changes in the ecosystem have occurred. Yeah, and this is always an ongoing thing in marine biology, marine uh, eco-science in general. Just understanding what's going on down there helps us um, appreciate and understand what's going on above the surface. So um, pretty cool thing going on here Toll says that crazy cat lady listens and crochets it's what she do that sounds <laughs> like, like that. a good combination people say it ain't be like it is but it do um 
The researchers also discovered that there is a moderate marine heat wave off eastern Tasmania near Flinders Marine Park and Freycinet Marine Park, indicating relatively warm waters during the course of the voyage. Um, and this is actually something that is being detected all over the planet. <laughs> Increased water temperatures. We have really extraordinarily um, high temps in the Gulf um, off the coast of Florida. Yeah, pretty, pretty wild. So, all right, let's keep on going. The temperature in general today, there was a report that in the tropical area, trees are going to stop performing photosynthesis because of the heat. Um, that's not kind of a, a problem. Crazy cat lady says that they're working on a creepy octopus. It's an octopus that looks like a skull. Is this for Halloween? Are you already in the Halloween craze? We just did a show that had a 12 foot skeleton for 300 bucks. That's right. That and it's already good, sold uh, out. And we also have a seasonally themed article coming up. We do? Yes. Oh, wow. The AI knows that something that I don't. So, okay, let's we'll keep going the next one after this one is coming up oh <laughs> that is <laughs> you said seasonally themed i was not expecting you to lead into that one the the one after this one no i wasn't expecting that sorry it is seasonally themed <laughs> why mean, it, it's exactly with that theme <laughs> it's august for crying out loud why in the world is like october stuff selling out and uh, uh, someone wants to order one, so they're making one to see how it works up so they know what to charge. Oh, okay, okay. Ah, this is the prototype. Got it. The prototype creepy octopus. Now you have to come up with a scientific name for that. Um, okay, so FDA taps leader for new human foods program in wake of baby formula crisis. This is something that we've been talking about for what now a year almost um, yeah i think so so the food and drug administration on wednesday announced the first leader of a new program dedicated to human foods which thought that there shouldn't be a first <laughs> I one thought, i thought that whole agency was about that yeah yeah i uh, <laughs> i mean to some extent i know it's not just food it's also medications but yeah, but this shouldn't be the first person that's looking at human foods, considering we have all these labels all over human foods. I mean, that might explain why we see so many recalls and everything. Oh, boy. So it's part of an agency-wide reorganization effort launched in the wake of a contaminated baby formula crisis last year. I've been kind of amped up about this because one baby formula plant went down and it crashed the market making people choose between feeding their kid all the time and and potentially harming them with non-baby food food um and it's again me lashing out against mergers and acquisitions um concentrating uh, wealth and power influence and capability um because at the same time that these organizations are saying um, this is all concentrated over at this one company and, you know, 30% or 50% of the market is now gone. 
Um, they're also saying, no, you can't as a parent create a formula that is compatible with your child because you might cause it harm. And so essentially, um, between the manufacturing companies and the FDA and various agencies poo-pooing the idea of parents being in control of their own food supply for their baby by providing a formula, a recipe that is exemplary baby food, right? Formula level. Okay. Like you can give your kid that's capable of eating, um, solid or soft foods, food, whatever you as a parent deem necessary or capable of providing, you know, should be healthy, but you know, um, the idea though, that only a couple of companies can produce baby formula because they meet the strict regulation. And then when one of the three shit the bed, pardon my language, uh, crazy cat lady. I, I don't know if you it's okay with you or toll that I'm saying that, but anyway, um, when a company completely falls on its face and it takes out such a large portion of the market that families can't feed their babies. I think that there's a real problem with the state of affairs. So James Jones, a former official at the environmental protection agency will serve as the new deputy commissioner for human foods beginning September 24th. The FDA said in a statement at the EPA, Jones was a pesticide regulator who focused on lessening the impact that chemicals and pollution have on the U S food supply, which I think is brilliant then. Um, but this is, this is actually <laughs> some of the stores that I went into when this went down, um, was this actually had a lot and <laughs> there were, it was in some of the places that I went to, nothing was on the shelf. They weren't expecting any to come in. Um, and, uh, it was shocking to see just how on the precipice we are as a society, um, that, a newborn baby formula was in crisis because one company went one manufacturing plant for one company yeah one manufacturing plant up one manufacturing plant for one company wet the bed um it's crazy you know, cat it's one thing when um like ice cream or something is recalled but infant formula not a lot of alternatives to that sorry about that yeah yeah crazy cat lady said that um they were they could naturally feed the their younger two but the middle kid had to have soy and the youngest had to be on prescription formula and that's actually those last two are exactly what was hit the hardest um and toll says uh, i know there are many reasons for women not doing it but here's the quote those balloons on the front and that kind of a defining characteristic of the female gender can solve a lot of this formula issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately there, there isn't a lot. Um, it isn't always available. I'll put it to you that way. Um, and that's what told just said as well. There's many a reason why it's not possible. Um, but the, the thing that shakes me up the most is that, it was just one company, one plant took out more than 25% of the market. Um, 
And that made a mad rush for everything that was on the shelves. And so people had an irrational fear that it wasn't going to be there. Um, and so it became a, a black market product. Uh, people were buying it when they had the people who had the money to buy it, bought all of it and then were reselling it and, uh, on the other end, uh, which is just a scumbag thing to do. Anyway, Nathaniel Wexel over at the Hill put this article together um, and they go into greater detail about what this person uh, does and will be doing. The FDA Commissioner Robert Califf launched the agency overhaul following a scathing external review of the FDA's food program in 2022 that found it to be too slow and risk averse. Um, well, and, and this here's one of the issues that I have with all of this, and, and that is... <sighs> And I'm sure that this is going to get people upset. Um, but if we need to put money in the right place and if protecting the food from harm isn't the right place, then I don't know what is. So the FDA is going to have to grow to be able to protect the food supply and manufacturing process audits and whatnot and whatever. Right. Um, but no, when you have As mega is, corporations, they only inspect a tiny percentage of, yeah. of food products. Yeah. And it's just random. And sometimes it's external entirely. They don't actually put hands on. Um, they don't necessarily take samples. They also rely on people to do it uh, in uh, honorably. You know, they do it honorably and provide the data. And so if you, it's going to shut down your operation because you're 0.5% off from the norm, you're going to fudge that damn number so that you can stay in operation um, until it falls so far out of alignment that it causes, you know, the baby formula collapse. Tull says, whatever happened to wet nurses? Uh, my nipple started hurting. No. Was that the wrong thing to say, AI? Uh, do you have to ask? <laughs> Tull also says, uh, but... Uh, what's interesting about the formula shortage is that some parts of the country were relatively unaffected. Like, um, I think upper middle, uh, Midwest was like, what are y'all talking about? We have plenty on the shelves. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Um, because, um, as far as I know, it was basically nationwide. There might've been pockets, but, um, I don't know of anything that was rather neutral about it, but, Maybe they had plenty of supply because they didn't have a lot of babies in tow. I don't know. That's kind of a... Right, or maybe they had like a regional supplier or something, although I'm only aware really of national level yeah, ones. That's an, that's an interesting point, Toll. Gonna have to look into that. Hmm. Very interesting. Okay, let's keep on going. Uh, the next article is over in uh, Hometown Daily. Here's your seasonal. It's October already, um, or at least fall, right? Uh, no, you're not crazy. Pumpkin spice season is starting earlier this year, despite the ongoing sweltering heat. Companies like Starbucks are releasing their autumn lineups earlier than in past years. The iconic uh, pumpkin spice latte, PSL, uh, is, a is synonymous with fall, but apple, pecan, and maple are also on the menu. The pumpkin wave isn't in your head. Data shows a 2200% increase in pumpkin spice items for sale. This also aligns with our other 
news bit yesterday, I thought it was. Wasn't it? The 12-foot, $300 skeleton? Yeah, that was yesterday's show. Yeah, yesterday. Um, So, I guess it's autumn. It's already winter. I I mean, mean, we we may not have cool weather, but uh, I guess we might as well embrace fall. Uh, Tull said maybe that they said F the FDA and put the F in FDA. That that would have been great to say um and fed their babies cow's milk yeah babies it's okay adults you're not supposed to drink um cow's milk we are all lactose intolerant according to science but give it five years i'm sure it'll shift um crazy cat lady says good night have to get up bring the bunnies to the fair in the morning good luck best wishes sleep tight so Starbucks getting into the game early so that they can make money quicker, um, which is fine if people are into it. Um, Haley Tenor over at businessinsider.com put the article together. And uh, the pumpkin wave isn't in your head. You know, I really like pumpkin spice and pumpkin spice lattes. I can't poop with this. Um, I think they could have it year round, but I know some people would be in an out. Oh, I was going to do outroar again. <laughs> yeah. Outroar. Um, I, you know, I want, I, now I want, um, a pumpkin spice latte, but I'll, I'd rather make it at home because then I can have it my way and I don't have to pay six bucks. Um, so on Wednesday, Starbucks announced that its fall lineup, which includes its famous pumpkin spice latte, will be released on Thursday, August 24th. This might seem early, but Starbucks is actually late compared to brands like Dunkin', 7-Eleven, Krispy Kreme, which already have launched their autumn flavors. My God, that wasn't in the news. Maybe it was. I haven't we, seen that come through. We haven't. Yeah. I, look, I don't have every source, only the ones you don't get a direct heat from Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts. Not everybody, no. Um, so uh, competing coffee chain Dunkin' reintroduced its fall lineup on August 16th. Even earlier was Krispy Kreme with its fall flavors dropping on August 7th. And 7-Eleven beat them all by releasing it in January. No, just kidding. August 1st. <laughs> <laughs> 7-Eleven, they should have it year round for crying out loud. Just have it all. I think it's, is it the 7-Eleven that I used to get blueberry coffee from? The blueberry coffee yes. was really good. Yeah. 7-Eleven makes some mean coffee, by the way. If y'all haven't had it, go, go now. <laughs> go get some 7-Eleven coffee. Um, anyway, let's keep going. Oh, wait, did I throw any of this stuff into the darn chat for crying out loud? Um, and by the so way, good. I've verified both Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme on their main page. They're featuring pumpkin products. Oh, my gosh. Both food uh, and beverages. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I guess it's already Halloween. I'm going to have to get dressed up. Start handing out pumpkin spice coffee. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Did I already go on to the next article? Let's try it again. 
the next article is over in hometown daily california is considering offering unemployment to workers on strike as the hollywood writers walkout approaches its fourth month it's already been four months it feels like about a month look there isn't anything that i can do to facilitate flipping this uh, to an agreement but for crying out loud four months how how can this possibly be sustainable for the individuals it absolutely is not unless they're off finding some other gig some other job um but uh a california bill considering uh, a california well california is considering a bill my god um that would i need one of those sound effects that just go ant all the time whenever i make a mistake it would probably just be an ant nonstop. Anyway, they're cons- California is considering a bill that'll give striking workers access to unemployment benefits. Uh, labor experts say that it would pr- improve uh, workers' outcomes and stimulate the economy. The proposal comes as uh, California faces the SAG after a strike, uh, the largest ongoing action in the country. Uh, and uh, WGA is still on strike too. So I don't know why they yes. say WGA went on strike before SAG after, didn't they? I think so. Yeah. Well, the reason why I think they lead in with SAG-AFTRA is because it's 160,000 members versus 11,500 for the Writers Guild. Um, I'm sure that they like being (laughs) diminished with a, eh, they're only 10% of the other one. Exactly. I don't think that's the right message. Mm, Sorry about that, folks. Um, So, blink the uh sorry i had to throw it into the chat so katie hawkinson over at businessinsider.com put this article together um this is the longest ongoing strike how long was the last one only how many weeks i think it was like 80 some days if i'm not mistaken right we had looked that up before yeah so yeah this is already this is already gonna be a nightmare unless something happens Um, And I wonder what kind of fun and games we will um, get to discover because the last time that there was a big strike, we had reality TV. So what are we going to get now? That's right. And I'm sorry, it was 96 days uh, for 1981. Okay, so this is four months already. So it's already blown past it. Right. Oh, wow. Um, so we're we're coming up on the fifth month, which means almost an entire season. Well, one season is already done. You know, typically it's like four months out of the first six months as a show. Um, you have 10 episodes, one a week. Right. For a season. Right. Um, well, now it looks like there is no new writing done so everything had to have been in the can and this is all about the ai thing this is all about you know reducing the profit margin so that it goes towards the salaries of the writers and the people that are doing uh all of the other stuff that the movie stars benefit from because it isn't just the movie stars it isn't just the writers it's everybody involved in the industry outside of the C-suite and the executives. Um, 
that's what everybody is really upset about that there's record profits but it's not trickling down because trickle down economics is bs anyway um the uh it says uh legislators are now considering a bill that would make any striking worker in the state eligible for unemployment benefits if their action lasts more than two weeks if it passes it would make california the third state in the nation to adopt such a policy following the footsteps of new york and new jersey meanwhile connecticut and massachusetts are also uh, considering similar bills uh, labor experts say that the uh, bill could mark a turning point for workers in california It'll give them something to subsist off of, but for crying out loud, it's so expensive to live in California. Um, never going. It's only going up. Yep. Okay, so let's um, let's keep on going. I think I'm running just on time, folks, so that you can go and enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, the next article is over on the Warcrafters channel. Epic goes on Epic Hunt for even more exclusives with a new program offering bigger payouts to smaller studios. I wonder if people are bothered by my mouse bouncing around the screen. Um, if you thought the era of the Epic Game Store exclusive was winding down, think again. Epic announced today a new program called Epic First Run that throws open the exclusivity doors to just about anyone with a new game. Yay, maybe I can get my game published over by Epic. Uh, the Epic Game Store has grown into a successful major digital storefront since its launch in 2018, in large part due to exclusive, exclusive game uh, releases. Epic has used the massive financial success of Fortnite to pay publishers in advance to launch games on its storefront, and more to the point, not launch them on Steam, at least temporarily. Um, this article is by Andy Chalk over at uh, PCGamer.com. The deck statement says Epic First Run is a new program that aims to attract new releases from smaller developers and publishers. That's pretty good art. I like that artwork. Um, let's see what else is in here. It's managed to attract some big names over the years like Borderlands 3, Control, Hitman 3. I guess a lot of three third editions. Kingdom Hearts, that's probably huge. Um, but it's uh, been ridiculously expensive endeavor to uh, PC Gamer learned in May 2021 that it had already spent more than $1 billion on exclusives despite not making any money. Epic said in March 2023 that it was going to continue pursuing exclusives for its storefront, but would focus more on major releases, which had proven much more effective at attracting new users to EGS um then smaller games uh <laughs> larian um so baldur's gate by the way i have so many people are still playing this um hundred and something 140 hours is one person that i've been watching um basically putting in i hope not consecutively no uh, eight to 12 hour days since its launch yeah pretty amazing so the new program the new uh epic first run program is a way to augment that strategy by bringing smaller studios back into the picture instead of negotiating upfront deals with developers and publishers for individual games first run grants them 100 of all net revenues earned during the first six months of a game's release on the epic store 
In exchange for those six months being mostly exclusive, it's open to any developer or publisher with a game coming out on or after October 16th when the program goes live. Pretty cool. Um, so if you're a developer and you're hearing this, you have what amounts to a gateway drug. Go over to Epic and sign up. See if they'll accept it. Um, do you have anything you want to add to this? or? No. no let's go. Uh, this next article is over in Constructagon, which is all about 3D printing. Proto Labs to open its 120,000 square foot North Carolina 3D printing facility this fall. Back in October 2021, Proto Labs, the Manufacturing Services Bureau based in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, um, announced it had broken ground on a 120,000 square foot facility near, uh, man, I want to say it the way that it gets people upset, but anyway, Raleigh, North Carolina. I once said rally just to irritate someone and boy did it. Um, anyway, <laughs> mission accomplished, <laughs> mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, the, uh, second facility in the state, the company would build from scratch. According to automation world, the new site, which I'm going to have to probably start including in my aggregation, the new site uh, will be operational sometime this fall and is intended to place a strong operational emphasis on metal additive manufacturing so called AM. Um, so it's essentially a, a, a plastic 3d printer, but with metal and it welds layer after layer after layer together. Uh, pretty neat stuff. Matt Kromanetsky, uh, over at 3dprint.com put this article together. And, um, I guess that's the first North Carolina site right there. And they're adding another 120,000 square foot facility near Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, if you've never seen uh, metal additive manufacturing, then a quick Google search um, or YouTube search uh, would be a tremendous benefit um, to understand how it works. It's kind of like a welding layer after layer on top of each other to build a structure. Um, and it's pretty neat. And there's all kinds of different types of that process, but, um, sometimes it's see relatively, uh, relevantly proto labs is planning on focusing on powder bed fusion PBF at its new North Carolina facility. And the company currently does PBF parts with a fleet of GE machines at both Eden Prairie, uh, headquarters and its existing North Carolina location. Um, so there's, let's see if they have any additional pictures in this thing. No, they don't. Yeah. So, um, you can do all kinds of stuff, uh, like, uh, using powders and then you infuse it with, uh, a bonding agent. Um, or you can well do powder and then you heat the layer and it fuses to the next layer and it basically comes out kind of gritty. Um, and then you can polish, sand it and polish it. Pretty neat stuff out there. Um, but there's also, like I said, like an FDM printer, but with metal. Okay. Um, let's keep on going. The next article, <laughs> 
is a public service announcement. <laughs> this one's in hometown daily. There were at See, least two of these in hometown today. Yeah. On this topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, CDC warns not to kiss or cuddle your turtle as salmonella outbreak hits 11 states. I don't know what the uh, sudden onslaught of kissing and cuddling your turtles is going on right now, but... I don't it... either. The other one said don't kiss your small turtles, which of course begged the question. <laughs> I guess it's okay to kiss your larger turtles. I, I suppose so. The CDC has warned people not to kiss or cuddle your turtle. After a salmonella outbreak linked to small turtles has sickened at least 26 people across 11 states. What are y'all doing out there, folks? John Howarth, Howarth or Hayworth, um, John Hayworth, I'll say Hayworth, um, over at abcnews.com. Put this article together, abcnews.go.com. <coughs> There's my cough. Put this article together. Right on um, time. Yeah. Uh, apparently y'all are uh, sleeping with your uh, small turtles um, cuddling up like I don't know which one is the little spoon which one's the big spoon well why is there an outbreak like are the turtles having a convention oh. or are they just like why would there yeah. okay maybe one turtle would cause this in their household or whatever but <clears throat> they're like, all getting on their Harleys happening? <laughs> they're all getting on their Harleys and driving to a convention What's that one where all of the Harley riders meet in the town? Oh, uh, is it Sturgis? Sturgis. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so that's what's going on here. There has to be a, like a stir, a, call it like sturgeon or something like that. Um, anyway, federal law bans the sale and distribution of turtles with shells less than four inches long as pets because they may have illnesses especially uh, in young children, so they might cause uh, illnesses. But public health officials announced that they were investigating a multi-state outbreak of salmonella linked to small turtles after dozens of people have fallen ill in recent months. Well, so, I just, I don't know what any of this means for the future of pet ownership of turtles. It really doesn't say anything about what's going on. It says that only buy turtles with shells larger than four inches because, and buy them from reputable pet store because they don't sell turtles with shells less than four inches long. Yeah. All right. Can't say much. Guess size matters. Next article is over in the Law Nerd channel. Uh, can Vermont school cover its racist mural? Second Circuit says yes. Is this the same school that we had talked about I back in so. the day? This is several months ago, I believe. So uh, this is an article over at Above the Law. Tough Luck Carson um, is the deck statement. Chris Williams is the author of this article. Vermont Law School has been knee-deep in legal controversy over a mural for almost two years, legally speaking. There was a simple question. Does the Visual Art Artists' Rights Act prevent covering up an artist's work? Um, the messy bit comes from the intent and reception of the artwork. Sam Curson created a mural that celebrated Vermont's participation in the Underground rail Railroad. Unfortunately for him, several students and faculty members of the Vermont Law uh, School 
and it's called Vermont Long, um, didn't think that the intent of the mural made up for an art style that they claim, among other things, depicted black people as sambos. The Second Circuit has issued a ruling, and it ain't in Carson's favor. From the ABA Journal, it says murals that are deemed to be offensive can be covered up, despite an artist's objection that such actions violate their rights, according to a ruling by the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals at New York. It's weird to me because it's a work for hire, right? It's on a public wall, Everything a private wall. It's actually weird. a private wall. I'm sorry? I said everything about this is weird. So uh, I remember this because the, like they say in the article, this actually all hinged on the fact that this act prevents someone from damaging or distorting an artist's work because it can impugn their integrity, their uh, reputation, uh, etc. Right. Um, but, it, but I just don't get it because if if i don't want a piece of art on my wall anymore damn it i'm gonna get rid of that wall i might give you the option to come and and take that wall go ahead yeah i'll pay to replace the wall you can cut that facade out and take it wholesale but one right. way or another that art's coming down if i don't want it anymore i mean there's so much subjectivity about art that it is what it is so in august uh in an August 18th opinion, the Federal Appeals Court held that merely ensconcing a work of art behind a barrier neither modifies nor destroys the work as contemplated by the Visual Arts Artists' Rights Act. Authors of qualifying works or visual art may invoke VARA to prevent the modification and destruction of their art, albeit with some exceptions, but hiding the mural behind a barrier neither modifies nor destroys them and therefore does not violate VARA. But I should be in control of my property for crying out loud. Just solve the problem and move on. I, I agree. Like this is not a good precedent. I don't think. Um, I mean, are we really going to have like people being the art police essentially? It's it's weird that uh, uh, an artist can dictate what is going to remain in perpetuity on somebody's wall if they were compensated for the for the artwork, even if it was volunteer work. That, oh, well, I'll paint it for free. It should not give them control over private property or even public property. Um, right. So the author of the article says personally, they don't think that the mural is offensive. Sure, there are some distortions and less than realistic skin coloration, but you should consider the style of the art that the piece was done in uh, when you're making your aesthetic assessments. It would be easy for someone to look at the sugar shack and complain that black figures are hypersexualized, lanky, and have spines that would uh, even make comic artists wince at the abuses of physiology. But they'd also be missing the point. Ernie Barnes's painting is jazz incarnate. He was going for vibrancy and effect, not realism. And that's all of this is art is in the eye of the beholder. But when the predominant number of people out there who are supposed to be partaking of this art agree that it is no longer desired, 
And if the institution's leadership decides that they want to vacate that wall of art, then they can. It's their real estate for crying out loud. I, I'll never understand this. Um, Seems so, like it might be time for the law to be changed. The author also says, I'm also quick to realize that I have no real skin in the game. Unlike the faculty and students at Vermont Law, I don't have to spend my days walking to and from class with that damn thing in my line of vision. Whether it's the statue of Columbus or a school changing its name after discovering its namesake may have dabbled in hunting natives for sport. The decisions who make them, uh, and, sorry, the decisions who makes them and how they are implemented should center on the people who are directly involved in the art and related history at hand. Um, and to a point, I agree with that. But when it has a, a national impact, then I think that it shouldn't be uh, considered by just a few. Um, I think a, a larger scale discussion needs to be at hand. This is well, a piece of art. And I feel like you should have complete control over the art once it's commissioned. Yeah. Um, I don't mean you should like alter it and represent it as the artists or anything like right. that. But, um, but it seems like if you were buying something like a mural now, you'd almost put some language like, we reserve the right to remove this or, or here's what's going to happen if we reassess this every year or whatever. Yeah. Um, just to kind of front load it, because I think part of the problem is we're seeing this with definitely things that were decades old. Culture has changed. Um, I can't think what I'm trying to say, but anyway, things are looked at differently than when they were originally created. Well, I think what you're struggling to say is there's cultural relativism and yes. The historical context of when that was put in place is different than it is today, and it'll be different in 10 years. Um, but regardless of that, I think somebody is the real owner of that real property. And if they so choose to uh, nix that entire product from their wall, they should be able to be it with me being nice. Hey, come and get your art. Uh, or me just going to it with a chainsaw. I could care less. If I don't want that damn art, then it's gone. Um, it looks poor on me if it is wholly appreciated art and not utterly offensive to the very people that are the subject of that artwork, right? And within that locality. Um, now, if it's something that's on a canvas sitting on a wall somewhere in an art uh, museum and I get offended by it, then I can just walk away. Um, but if I'm going to be stuck there and I don't want it there, then, and it's my museum, then I'm not going to take that piece of art down here. I have another um, piece of art, other museum, wherever I'm going to give it to. Um, but this, this just seems really odd. Um, so before this thing gets blown up, as some generalized conflict about campus free speech and wokeness gone rampant, the author would like to comment, uh, commend the students and faculty at Vermont Law that put the work in uh, to change the community for their perceived better. And if the tides change and people begin to think differently about the mural, they could always take the covers down. And that is probably the most profound thing about this is that they don't want to tear it down. Um, 
they want to cover it up, which actually makes it somewhat of a curiosity. Um, and so some people might be driven to go and check it out. Is it really? That's true. You might get more attention toward it than if it was just sitting there. <clears throat> yeah, it becomes Barbara Streisand's house, right? I think she's the one that wanted to hide her residence from Google Earth and it became a Streisand effect. So as it stands, Kirsten is the guy whose racist ass mural at Vermont Law got covered up. The author gets why he'd want to appeal this outcome. Well, few cases make it to the Supreme Court. The author, for one, would love to see how the justices break on the issue of an artist's honor and reputation with regard to their work, especially Kagan and Sotomayor. So this isn't it's an interesting thing because um, this person is perceiving that their reputation is being hit because it's being covered up because it's being perceived as racist. Yeah, and I see where you would like alter the art and keep the artist's name on there or something. I mean, that to me is what this should be about. That's not what's happening here. Yeah. So how about not a change and they just tear it down? It's not a change. They're not changing anything. It doesn't exist anymore. You've been paid for your art. Either you tear it off the wall and go stick it in your warehouse somewhere for somebody else to appreciate, or I get to paint over it. It's my wall. I'm going to do that. But they're actually being really nice about it. and go, They're going to ensconce it inside the wall and leave it as it is. I doubt that that will survive <laughs> long term like that. Um, something will mess it up. Anyway, um, I'm sure that we'll hear about this in the future and we will report back as to the status of this. In the meantime, we return you to Main Street hometown where we get a bunch of articles uh, going this way and that way. Some tech, some business, even some politics. I shy away from discussing them um, unless they're actually relevant. But um, there's an article here called Snowflake Workload Optimization. <laughs> uh, you have to wonder if that's about people who are termed snowflakes or if it's something else like hey each snowflake is unique or it's something. yeah probably know. that probably that considering it's in the code foundation uh channel so um <laughs> let's see barbie scores limited imax release with bonus post-credit footage yeah supposedly there's uh, gonna be a barbie imax um, edition coming either later oh this month goodness. or September. Seems like it's been Barbie overload, doesn't it? No, I have no dog in the hunt, so I don't really. I'm not. I, I don't, don't either. Go one I way just or feel other. like there's. I mean, with it's been doing really well at the box office, yeah. and it just seems like there's been a lot of articles about it. It's entirely based on the juxtaposition of the question that she asked at the beginning of the episode of the movie, which is. Have you ever thought about death and shows that she has flat feet and everybody loses their mind and goes off from there and, and breaks into the real world from the, the toy world. So it's somewhat entertaining. I suppose it's like toast toy story from Barbie's perspective off on an adventure to discover their real, uh, place in the world 
Um, and then you start singing that song. Um, oh, by Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish, yeah. Can't think of the name. Um, or the one from Aqua. I'm a Barbie oh, girl. Goodness. Barbie girl. <laughs> I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Um, and now it's in your head, folks. So there you go. You get to deal with it. Okay, that's it, folks. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. I was like, is it um, that? That's it. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that's going to say bye. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. True story. Thank you.